Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we discuss topical global issues, have conversations with foreign affairs thought leaders and newsmakers, and give you the context you need to understand the world today. Go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn more. And now on with the show. Setting fires to clear land for planting crops, or crop burning, is a common practice in many places around India. And as you can imagine, this kind of burning emits terrible air pollution. My guest today, Prachi Singh, has uncovered a link between that kind of air pollution and the height of children who are born to mothers who are impacted by that air pollution while pregnant. Prachi Singh is an associate fellow at the Brookings Institution India Center and is a PhD candidate at the Indian Statistical Institute, Delhi. Her research analyzed height and weight ratios of children who are exposed in utero to air pollution events like crop burns and forest fires. And to that end, she finds a significant correlation between low weight and low height ratios and exposure to this pollution. But her research goes further than that. She demonstrates how low weight and low height ratios stemming from this exposure impacts India's entire economy, including taking a significant toll on India's gross domestic product. The peer-reviewed research is cutting-edge and, needless to say, has broad global implications. We kick off discussing the impact of what is known as stunting on children's health before having a conversation about her research methods and the significance of her findings. Today's episode is the second installment in a series of episodes that will be published over the next few months that showcase the research and work of the Sustainable Energy Transitions Initiative. SETI is an interdisciplinary global collaborative that aims to foster research on energy access and energy transitions in low- and middle-income countries. Since 2015, the network has expanded to include over 150 researchers, policymakers, and practitioners working in the field of energy from over 35 countries. Currently, SETI is housed at Duke University, where it is led by Professors Subrendu Patanayak and Mark Juland. SETI's research addresses the most pressing energy challenges faced by low- and middle-income countries, from clean cooking in Senegal to micro-hydropower in Nepal to coal divestment in Chile. To learn more about SETI, follow them on Twitter at SETI Energy. And to access all episodes that are part of this series, please visit globaldispatchespodcast.com. Now here is my conversation with Prachi Singh. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Stunting is a measure for height for age of a child. That is how tall a child is for their age. 
And these measurements are actually constructed for all children across the globe. So you have a standard, so you have like these series for children all across the globe. And then there is an international standard that children are supposed to meet. And if they don't meet that international growth standard, that is they don't reach that threshold level, then they're called stunted. That is they are shorter than they're ideally supposed to be for their age. Uh, however, I mean, just to, I mean, motivate my study a little further, uh, it should be noted that my study doesn't look at precisely stunting as a zero-one variable, that is whether a child is stunted or not stunted, but it looks at this continuous variable of what exactly is the measurement of height for age for a child. And stunting, correct me if I'm wrong, is not, you know, it, it itself is a measure of, as you said, height for age of a child, but it has broader social and economic implications for uh, a child and, you know, more broadly for society or for a country? Sure, yes. So uh, stunting, you can think of it as a memory capsule, actually. And I'm calling it a memory capsule because whatever is the measurement of your stunting, it actually becomes irreversible after a child ages reach two. So there is enough evidence which suggests that it, it is more or less irreversible after age two. So when I'm calling it as a memory capsule, it essentially means that any child that would have suffered any environmental or nutritional shock while growing up would actually show up as probably as a stunted child, which will be contained in, in, in this height for age measurement. And what happens is that if a child is stunted, then another uh, whole breadth of literature has associated it with shorter adult height, lower cognitive ability of the child, lower educational attainment, which essentially can lead to and has been shown to be associated with reduced adult income. And also a lot of other host of other factors like reduced offspring birth weight and uh, various other complications related to birth. Apart from that, there are a lot of uh, non-communicable diseases like obesity and cardiovascular diseases. Uh, and children who are stunted in their childhood are uh, have been observed to be more susceptible to these diseases as an adult. So that's why stunting, which contains a lot of information in terms of any of the shock that a child might have received while growing up, uh, has so many future consequences associated with it. And hence, it becomes a very important economic and social uh, factor to look at. Yeah, I mean, I mean, stunting not, is not only sort of impacts the individual child as they grow into adulthood in terms of, you know, lower educational attainment or the other host of uh, non-communicable diseases they're more susceptible to and right. uh, lower income levels, but it has like society-wide implications too, right? Like there are studies exactly, linking yeah. stunting to, to GDP of a country. Exactly. So, I mean, as I said, all the factors that I listed, for example, lowered height or lower income or lower educational attainment, all of these factors have been associated with GDP of a nation. So you can see this chain of uh, logic, right, that if all of these get reduced, then then in turn, the GDP of a nation also gets reduced. So a child today is probably a household health tomorrow. And then this uh, chain of uh, bad economic outcomes essentially are percolating to future generations as well in terms of, as I said, reduced income and so many other host of factors, which is culminated in some sense in form of reduced GDP. Uh, in, in terms of India, 66% of uh, the Indian workforce has been found to be stunted. 
And if, if suppose we were able to eliminate the stunting problem, then 10, we would have been able to increase our GDP by 10%. So this is one of the World Bank studies which has arrived at this figure. So you can imagine the extent of uh, improvement that the GDP can possibly experience if stunting is eliminated from a country. 10% like growth. That is, that's a, a huge number. Yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. So... I am so fascinated by your study uh, linking pollution levels to both stunting and underweight, uh, right. you know, lo- lower lower weights. I mean, before we actually dwell into that in greater detail, a little background in terms of what the pollution space essentially looks like for a country like India. Uh, I mean, for more than half of the Indian population essentially lives in areas which have poor air quality. And in addition to that, if you actually look at that number for people who are living in urban areas, that that figure is around 77%. That is, these many extent of population in India essentially lives in in areas which are of poor air quality. They do not even meet the national air quality standard that has been set by the national government. And literature in itself has uh, essentially established how pollution can have myriad negative health effects. And while most of the literature has focused on the relationship between how pollution causes child mortality, uh, we actually additionally wanted to focus and explore uh, what happens to children who actually do end up surviving. That is, I mean, questions like how they are growing in terms of their child, in terms of their weight and height. Uh, when they're exposed to different levels of pollution while growing up. Can, can I ask you, as you said, there's there's a lot of literature linking pollution to child mortality. What gave you the idea to study the impact of pollution on the children who survived, on, on child health and on stunting and other, other variables? So, I mean, we are always, I mean, the effort is always to extend the literature beyond what has already been established. And uh, the aim here also was that in case of a developing country like India, uh, where the mortality literature has been established in the past, I wanted to focus on children who are essentially growing up in areas, especially in northern India. There are areas where uh, the pollution, especially of um, it takes horrific figures in terms of being really unhealthy for any adult or child. So that's why I wanted to see whether even if children do end up surviving, uh, what are the kind of health outcomes that that they achieve in their life? So I found your research methods in this study just really interesting and and unique, in particularly how you used <clears throat> crop burning and forest fires to help you measure pollution levels. Can you just explain, before we delve into your findings, can you just describe how you went about collecting your data and how you designed this study? Sure. So in terms of methodology, so our aim is to model height for age for children. And we are trying, so what we essentially need is a data which links height for age of a child with pollution that that a child experience uh, while that child is growing up. So you so we needed these two data sets, one on pollution and another one on child growth indicators. So the data on child growth indicators was readily available in terms of uh, a very good uh, data sets, which are collected for many countries in the world. These are called demographic health surveys. But more importantly, we needed this data set to be of a unique quality. We actually needed the exact geographic locations of children, uh, where these children are located in India. 
because only then I would have been able to combine that information with, say, satellite data on pollution or other pollution-causing activities, like, as you mentioned, uh, crop burning or forest fires. So while the health data was readily available and was of the optimal quality that I needed it to be, uh, I additionally had to look for pollution data. And in case of India, unfortunately, there isn't a huge network of uh, air quality monitors. So we had to instead rely on satellite data on pollution. So my co-authors are experts in terms of collating that information for India. So we were able to get that information. And lastly, the, 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 the part about uh, crop burning and forest fires again comes from satellite data that's from NASA. It releases a data called firms data, which essentially captures all the fire events that happen across the globe. So they tag it with the date at which it occurred and where it occurred. So I needed all of this rich geographical information to combine the child health information with the exposure that they received in terms of pollution and also in terms of the pollution that the exposure that they uh, got in terms of uh, crop burning and forest fires. And the idea is that because there's not great data on air quality um, in general, you could use um, you know the wind patterns from forest fires to extrapolate where there is poor air quality. Exactly. Actually, I mean, just to give you an example, when say we are modeling uh, uh, say height for age of a child, there are a lot of factors that go into modeling height for age. For example. Uh, what is the gender of the child, what, is, what are the characteristics of the mother, of the household, whether they have access to clean sanitation. But even if you have all of these factors and you additionally have the measures for pollution, you still cannot come up with causal estimates in terms of whether pollution causes uh, decrease in, say, height for age of a child. To, just to give you an example, if suppose we are doing a regression analysis and I'm trying to see what's the effect of pollution on height for age of a child, but I'm not able to capture, say, factors like exact income of a household, or I'm not able to capture what's the extent to which behavior of a household in itself causes more pollution in the local area, then what happens is that I might falsely uh, arrive at a conclusion that higher pollution uh, causes uh, uh, lesser height for age of a child. But that would be a wrong conclusion to arrive at precisely because uh, lower air quality areas go hand in hand with lower income areas as well. So uh, and we are not able to capture lower income areas precisely. So that's why in order to break this uh, relationship between various other factors that I'm not able to capture and the ones that I am able to very well capture, we had to come up with additional data sets. So that's why we started looking at wind data. So what wind data provides us with is the following. We are able to see that in non-local areas or say in an area which uh, a household of a child cannot essentially influence, uh, what kind of crop burning activities are taking place there. And then imagine that wind might be blowing in such a direction that these fire events can affect the pollution of, of uh, that the pollution that the child is getting exposed to. So hence, this wind direction is able to give us the power to estimate this, uh, these changes in pollution in a, in a precise manner. And we are able to get around uh, the problem that I previously stated in terms of failing to capture a lot of other omitted variables and hence arrive at causal estimates of pollution on child health. 
So on, on these crop burning events, I mean, some of them, as you note in your paper, are forest fires that could be caused by anything, an errant cigarette. Uh, but right. crop burning is a deliberate activity. Can you just sort of describe the prevalence of, of crop burning such as we know it and what crop burning is and, and why it's a problem? So crop burning is a seasonal problem in India. Basically, crop burning happens when uh, farmers actually harvest their crops and they are trying to get rid of the stubble quickly. So, for example, for most of the farmers in at least northern India, they, cap- they do something, they practice something called uh, multiple crops, multiple cropping system, which means that they sow one crop, they harvest it and quickly on the same piece of land, they sow another crop. But because they are now essentially farming for two type of crops, so there is less time window between harvest of one and sowing of another. So and when I'm saying that, suppose they're harvesting rice crop, but if they essentially give too much time to harvest of rice crop, they'll be left with less time to optimally uh, sow the wheat crop. And hence, in order to quickly get rid of the rice stubble during the harvest period, for them, it is the quickest and cheapest way is to essentially burn it. So that's what they do. They essentially burn these crops during the winter season. That is when the rice crop is harvested, somewhere around October and November. And the wheat crop also actually gets burned during uh, during the summer months, somewhere around uh, March to May. So these are the two windows when crop burning occurs in India. So, so it's basically a combination of economic pressures and also just you know innovations in in farming technologies and exactly, uh, yeah. methods that are leading to this increased prevalence of of crop burning. Exactly. Um, yeah. so, so, so what did you find? What what did you find was the link between outdoor impol- air pollution and uh, stunting? So what we did find was that if we start looking at different windows, critical windows of development, that is, say, the first trimester, second trimester, and third trimester of, uh, of, of a child, then we essentially found that uh, if the if pollution increased by, by a great amount during the first trimester, then the height for age of a child and weight for age of a child essentially reduced by around 7 to 8%, which is a huge huge figure if 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 we if we put it in 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 terms of perspective because uh, this i mean if i calculate the gdp figures then this is essentially leading to a decrease in gdp by around 0.18% and wait, wait, wait. Uh, so let me let me stop you there cuz that's that that deserves emphasis i think so you're saying that you know based on your study if uh, a uh, pregnant mother is exposed to a high amount of pollution in the first trimester of her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. The chances of stunt of her child being stunted are seven to eight percent greater than what it normally would be, which would lead to a overall GDP uh, negative impact in India of of what of how much of around zero point one eight percent. But I'll, I'll just which is to- huge. Which is huge, yes. And I mean, just to slightly correct you on that, we are not exactly looking at whether a child is stunted or not, but we are looking at the continuous measure of height for age. That is, the height for age measure actually gets reduced by around 7 to 8%. And same goes for even weight for age measures. But we are not looking at stunted per se. Uh, we are looking at the exact precise number of, uh, I mean, the exact number which measures height for age. And and um, do the does the impact decrease or increase later in pregnancy? 
so we actually don't observe uh, much of a strong effect in say third trimester or the postnatal period that is uh, three months right after birth, but we do observe some negative effect also during the second trimester. And most of these effects are concentrated in northern states of India and also for those households where mothers are actually less educated, which means they are they have less access to say abatement technologies in terms of protecting their child. Uh, so and so these are essentially our main uh, findings of our paper. And, and the northern states like like Bihar and Uttar Pradesh and like basically like the poorer parts of the country are more yes, heavily impacted. Yes, yes. and additionally, uh, two more uh, states uh, which are Punjab and Haryana, which are relatively more developed uh, than say Uttar Pradesh and Bihar, but these are also the states which practice crop burning to a huge extent. So, mm. uh, so, the, so that's I mean, interesting. So it's not just like a, a causal like relationship between poverty levels in a region, but really it's the crop burning that makes a huge difference. Right. So crop burning, which affects pollution, which in turn affects height for age and weight for age measurements for children. So, so can you discuss, you know, what are some of the, what's like the significance of the study? What is the most important part of, of this, of your findings to, to you? So primarily for me, it was important to uh, to observe that beyond mortality also, uh, pollution can have an effect on children who do survive. So it was important for me to see that most of the literature has been focusing on just mortality, that how many children die, and they actually capture the burden of pollution only in terms of deaths, but not in terms of, say, morbidity or in terms of uh, reduced health achievements by children. So for me, it was important to notice and observe that uh, beyond mortality also, pollution can have an effect in terms of height for age and weight for age measurements for children. So we, our children are essentially uh, growing at a at a much uh, worse level purely because of, I mean, a part of it is because of pollution. So what are some of the broader policy implications that government uh, could, could uh, imply from your study i mean to me most obviously like cracking down or banning crop burning might mm-hmm. be one useful policy intervention uh but i mean what what are some of the the broader policy uh, implications of your study sure so i mean as you said the obvious uh, conclusion is reduce pollution and improve your child health but we have to actually disentangle this reduction in pollution into its components so you can only reduce pollution if your laws are actually stronger, your monitoring is better so that you are able to catch the culprits, and your enforcement is actually strongest so that you are actually take those culprits to, to I mean, take them to full justice. And in case of India, what happens is that our monitoring is weak. So essentially, what we have to do is we have to increase the network of air, qual- air quality monitoring stations in India so that there is greater accountability on the part of government uh, when they make this data public and hence people then demand better air quality. So that is number one. That is we have to make monitoring uh, stronger. But apart from that, there is a great um, uh, importance in terms of making the central, I mean, the central regulator of uh, uh, in terms of pollution quality even uh, stronger. So that we have to empower the central regulator and we have to invest in training of these uh, inspectors who conduct these regular checks. So if you don't have manpower to catch culprits, you essentially won't be able to 
bring um, uh, pollution level down. So we have to invest heavily in terms of training and empower the central regulator because currently there are a lot of ministries, parallel ministries, which work in these domains and uh, central regulators' power is essentially limited. So um, yeah, it's like one thing to have laws on the books, but you actually need to be exactly. able to enforce them. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, what they, essentially what, uh, what happens in India is that all these bans are put in place. Even crop burning has been banned by the Supreme Court. But when all of the farmers are doing it, then essentially you cannot stop it, right? You cannot put all farmers uh, uh, in, in prison. So essentially, this when the law becomes stronger, that you just don't put them in prison, but you also kind of incentivize them to dissuade them to uh, do crop burning, then it can potentially lead to better outcomes in terms of reduced uh, pollution-creating activities. So, you know, your study obviously, you know, focused on India, which is, you know, where you conducted your study, but presumably the results are applicable and globally as well. I mean, anywhere, presumably, where there are high levels of pollution, including, say, outdoor air pollution caused by fires, uh, one might expect to find a higher proportion of uh, stunted or underweight children. Right. So, I mean, there has already been few papers which have looked at such cases in Indonesia, where there was a forest fire event back in 1997, there is always, um, recently there was uh, Australian bushfires and Californian wildfires, which are also seasonally occurring activities. So all imagine all of the households which are located close to these areas where these fire activities are happening are vulnerable. So my findings are essentially going to be, uh, are going to inform uh, all of the policymaking in those areas also, potentially. It's just like absolutely fascinating to me that, um, that that outdoor air pollution caused by forest fires just has such a a profound impact beyond other factors like poverty. I mean, you talk about like California wildfires. I mean, those happen in you know the richest corner of one of the richest states and one of the richest countries in the world. And right. yet, we could probably just extrapolating from your studies find higher rates of of stunting there um, right. because of 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 those fires. That is just just absolutely fascinating to me. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Essentially. The findings can be taken to other nations as well. The, I mean, the findings, the estimate might change a little based on uh, different parameters that are in place in different countries. But the basic logic remains the same, that uh, pollution is not just affecting mortality, but also affecting your height footage and weight footage measurements for children. Uh, so lastly, uh, this episode is being produced in partnership with the Sustainable Energy Transitions Initiative, uh, of which you are a, a part. Can you just right. describe um, sort of the role of SETI in helping you as a uh, researcher, uh, not yet a PhD uh, mm-hmm. holder, but but soon to be a, a PhD holder? Um, what what role did SETI play in in this? So SETI has been extremely uh, valuable for me. I've been part of a lot of conferences because of SETI, which have been concreted, which have been organized by them. And uh, I've basically I was able to meet a lot of uh, experts in the area. And uh, most of these studies, any any study which is coming out, uh, say from my side, is essentially chiseled and polished by uh, a lot of the interactions that I get to have with experts. Uh, when I get to meet them in such uh, 
conferences which are organized by seti but not just conferences i'm i'm i actually essentially got access to the network of scholars uh, that seti has and this network of scholars uh, are are really uh, i mean they they are really nice in terms of giving you feedback and uh, actively contributing to making your study better so that's how i've 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 benefited both from peers and from established scholars who are like already professors in the field so this is this is how essentially i i i've benefited from seti uh well prachi thank you so much for your time this was absolutely fascinating thank you so much mark i'm glad that i was a part of this All right, thank you all for listening. Thank you to Prachi. That was great. And uh I told Prachi that I would love to have her back on the show to discuss another fascinating piece of research that I came across of hers, which is a link she found between the cost of getting married, so-called bride price, and water pollution. Really fascinating stuff. So stay tuned for that sometime in the future. Thank you to Seti and again to view each episode that is recorded as part of this content partnership with the Sustainable Energy Transitions Initiative. Please visit globaldispatchespodcast.com. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.